So, welcome to the Sunday Bhagavatam class. Uh, sorry, we're a few minutes late. And so here we go. Today we begin with um, uh, First Canto, Chapter Thirteen, Text uh, Forty Six. One thirteen forty six. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, Kala Karma Guda Dino Deho Yang Pancha Bhotika Gataman Yangs to go by eight. It's interesting. <clears throat> Sarpa Grasto Jataparam. So, um, these statements by Nardamoni, Nardamoni is giving a little Bhagavatam class here to Yudhisthira and Sangjaya. And the verses are, as we'll go through them today, uh, very, what's the word? Almost like halfway to being a sutra. Sutras, sutra in Sanskrit means a thread. And so a sutra, like Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutras, is a statement with very few words that you just get the thread, you just get the basic point, you have to figure out what it means. So. Narda's statements are, are more elaborate than, than just sutras, but they're, it's very um, tight composition with very few words he's saying a lot. So uh, he begins by saying that Deho Yang, in the second line, this body, this body, which is Pancha Bhotika, Pancha Bhotika comes from Pancha Bhuta, which means it's made of the five gross elements earth, water, fire, air, and sky. So that would be Panchabhuta. And from that compound word, you get Panchabhutika, Dehoyang, this body made of the five elements. And this body made of five elements or material bodies is Adhina, it is dependent on uh, Kala, time, which here means destiny. Like you have a destiny, you have... Uh, providence there's a certain fate you could save your life based on our previous activities and based on krishna's mercy so that's kala and time and also it's based on time just in the simple sense that our bodies are aging and we can't stop it there's no i read an article several weeks ago where it said that the branch of science that's trying to stop the aging process so that our bodies don't age and die they're kind of not giving up, but they're realizing there are problems they just can't deal with, which of course the problem is the will of God. But so, um, yeah, so the body is, and then Adhina, I'd like to read to you from the Sanskrit dictionary, which I uh, closed, so I'll get it right back. Uh, the word Adhina, because it says that the body is Kala, Karma, Guna, Adina. 
has a, an Adina relationship to Kala, time, karma, our karma, and uh, Guna, the three material qualities or modes. So Adina means resting on, situated in, depending on, subject to, subservient to. So our body is subject to, it is situated in, it rests upon, it is subservient to uh, time, power of time, which in the Gita, Krishna says, destroys all material things. Karma, our own karma, and uh, guna, the modes of nature. So the body is not independent. It's, it's not powerful. It's dependent on these things. Deho Yang, this body made of the five elements. And katam anyangs to gopayet. So how can that body, how could that body gopayet? How could that body protect other people when it itself is sarpa grasto? Uh, it is, has been grasped, seized by the sarpa, the serpent, the sarpa and serpent of time. So in other words, if someone has been seized by a serpent and is helplessly in the grasp of a serpent, how can that person help other people? That's the idea here, which is a, it's a very good rhetorical question, actually. Uh, so, yata, just as a person who has been seized, grasped by a serpent, cannot help others, Haram, yata, just as, so that's the analogy. So in the same way, all of us have been grasped by the serpent of time. And so how can we ultimately help others who are also under the control of that same time? That's the first statement here today by Narda. And then he says, this is a very famous verse and uh, beautifully composed, just a very beautiful, uh, famous verse. Ahastani sahastanam apadani chatush padam falguni tatra mahatam ajivo jivasya jivana. I'm going to translate this very literally. So... <clears throat> So the last line, the last line is is the point that jivo jivasya jivana, which literally means life is the living of life. Life is the living of life. In other words, one living being lives by consuming another living being. Plant or animal or fish or whatever. So and so and so wh how what's the criteria here? you know, what determines who eats whom. Ahasta, hasta means hand. So the, anyway, maybe it's a little bit too much grammar for you. Okay, I won't go into it because it's very beautiful. It's very beautifully composed. But anyway, so ahasta means without hands. So ahastani, it means uh, bhutani, creatures without hands are jivanam, are the living of, in other words, the food of, those sa hastanam, sa means with, um means without. So ahastani sahastanam apadani, those without legs are the living or the food of chatushpadam, of those with four legs, four-legged creatures. Interestingly, that means that 
animals without legs should not, are not food for the two-legged, namely human beings. We're not supposed to kill other creatures. So upadani chatushpadam, those without legs are food for those with legs or feet. Palguni tatra mahatam. And so that's the general principle that the weaker are food of the great. And so, or in other words, the more powerful. So the word falgu uh, in Sanskrit uh, means, falguni is just the plural of falgu. Falgu means, um, oops, put in the plural form. In the dictionary, um, small, minute, feeble, weak. So, in other words, the weak are the food of the strong. That's basically what it says. The weak are the food of the strong, or the, the, uh, yeah, that's basically it. The insignificant are the food of the great in terms of measuring here in terms of power. So that's what Narada says. And then he goes on, Karidam Bhagavan Rajan Eka Atmat Manang Sajik Antaro Nantaro Bhati Pashyatang Mayodha. So Tadidang, um, this very world before you uh, is actually in the sense that we understand the Lord. And uh, so in other words, it's his creation, it's his energy. And so Tadidang, this world before you, Rajan, O King, is Bhagavan, who is Eka, who is one, Eka Atma, the one soul of souls. Literally, the Eka Atma Atmanang Sajik, the one soul of souls, Swadrik. And Swadrik means literally with his own vision. Prabhupada says qualitatively like him. Uh, anyway, I understand what Prabhupada, how Prabhupada is translating that there. Won't go into all the technical details, but. So uh, the world, uh, what is it? Yanghi Visham Bhagavani The Bhagavatam says that this universe uh, is like Krishna. It, 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 it's because there's a oneness with Krishna. There's this, and, and at the same time, it's different. Krishna says in the Gita, it's a separated prakriti. But still, uh, Eka Atmatmano Swadrik. Uh, so he is the one soul of souls and uh, who can see everything by his own power, Swadrik. Uh, and Antaro uh, Nantaro Bhakti. This is very interesting. Antara uh, means within, or therefore can mean interval, like it's within something, but it can also mean the space within or between two things. So if you think about it to be within, like let's say there are two objects, like my two hands, and there's a space which is inside the two hands, in other words, between them. So antara is also a way of saying between in Sanskrit. So Krishna is, uh, 
But therefore, because it can mean the space between things, it can also mean outside of things. <laughs> That's how Prabhupada translates it in the synonyms. So it's a little technical, but it, it makes sense if you take the time to think about it. Uh, who is one without, Prabhupada translates this, without a second and who manifests himself. And oh, here's the relevant part, is both within and without. So it's kind of a play on words here because antara means within, but because it means within in the sense of the space between things, it can also mean outside of those things. So it's just, uh, it's a very clever language Sanskrit. And then, so there's that, and then it said antaro anantaro. So anantaro can mean here, uh, where there's not a space. So he's outside of things, but so antara means within, but it's here taken kind of a play on words to mean within in the sense that there's no space between the soul and God. So anyway, sorry for all this technical stuff, but it's, it's very clever in Sanskrit. Uh, so anantara can mean having no interior, uninterrupted, continuous, so that just so it's um, anyway there's a lot going on here these apparently simple words or you can just take it literally mean that krishna is within and without everything bhakti appears bhakti can also mean shines but there and also means appears so pashyatam see him see him behold him pashyatam anarda says to yudhisthira and sometimes in other words you're thinking about so many things, you're focused on so many things, but see him, behold him, the Lord. And then Maya, by his illusory potency, Uruda, uh, he appears to be many. He appears to be, because of Krishna's everywhere, then you, know, you could say, well, he's here, he's there, but actually he's one. He only appears to be many by his illusory potency or by his... In, which can also mean here is um, internal potency. Anyway, it's it's a simple short verse, but if you look closely at the word, there's all kinds of meanings which are intentional. This is brilliant, a brilliant statement by Narda Muni, which he's saying many things. So, and then we'll maybe do one more here. So young Adya Maharaja. So Maharaja, great king, Yudhisthira, by the way, Maharaja, we use it for sannyasis, but in the Bhagavatam, it's a literal term meant for great kings. So Maharaja, so young Adya, so that very person, so young, that very person, the Lord, Adya, today, right now, Maharaja, Bhagavan Bhuta Bhavana, Bhagavan, the Lord Bhuta Bhavana, who's the source of all creatures, Kala Rupo Vatirna Syam. He has Avatirna is just the past present participle, uh, the word avatara or the verb avatar. So Avatirna, he has descended Asyam into this world. There's all kinds of interesting things here in the Sanskrit that I'm not mentioning because it's just a little too complicated, but he has descended into this world, Kala Rupa, in the form of time, in the form of time. So the time that's passing, those of us who have, you know, when you're young, when you're born, you're just a little baby, and then you're a child, and you're getting, you grow up 
as we say, and you're getting bigger and stronger, maybe you're understanding more about life. And so there's a certain point in life when you're going up and then you sort of level off and then the body, at least, the body declines. The body declines in many ways. Fortunately, my experience is, as the body ages, if you do your best to serve Krishna, you actually become more intelligent as you get older. If you're fortunate, you become more intelligent, you understand things better. So there's a powerful compensation, even as the body is diminishing, the mind, the intelligence, consciousness becomes stronger, becomes wiser. And so it's, sorry, it's not altogether a bad deal. Anyway, so Krishna has come Kala Rupa in the form of time. He has descended into this world, Kala Rupa Vatirna Syam, Abhavaya Surajisham. And so this is sort of a play on words with Buddha Bhavana and Abhavaya. Because Krishna is Krishna's Buddha Bhavana, he's the one that causes all creatures to exist. Yet he has descended as time into this world for the non-existence of the Sura Disham, those who uh, hate the godly. That's a way of saying the demons. Uh, Dwish uh, means one who envies or is the enemy. So one who hates or one who is against the godly, Krishna has come to bring about their non-existence, not as souls, of course, but in that temporary manifestation as envious or demonic persons, Krishna, who causes creatures to exist, has descended to this world for the non-existence, to bring about the non-existence of the demonic persons. So uh, that's the idea. And uh, I'll read one more. One, one more verse, and we'll see if there are any questions. Nishpaditam. So Prabhupada translates Nishpaditam as performed, which is, of course, what it means. And the dictionary Nishpadita is given as uh, achieved, prepared, done, affected, performed, Prabhupada says. So Deva Kirtyam. Kritya means uh, what should be done. In that sense, it means a duty or a task. Krishna, of course, no one can give Krishna a duty, but he, Krishna himself assumes certain duties that he wants to perform. As he explains in Bhagavad Gita, yada yada hi dharma sivanir, whenever dharma is declining and so on, I come. So, Deva Kritya means a, a, a task, a duty for the, what we call the demigods, in Sanskrit it just says the gods, uh, Krishna has done it. He came to this, because the gods, the devas, have to manage the universe. And sometimes things get out of control, as they did 5,000 years ago, when all the asuras invaded earth and were attacking, things were out of control. So therefore, Krishna... Uh, who decided to protect and help his representatives because, af because after all, the devas are managing the universe 
as a service to Krishna. And so therefore, when they can't get the job done, uh, Krishna takes it that, okay, it's my duty. I am engaging the devas in this service of managing the material world and they, things are out of control. So it's my duty to go and help them. So that's Deva Krityam. And then, so, but that Deva Krityam, that duty on behalf of the devas, Nishpaditam, it's been done. It was accomplished. But Avasheshan, which can mean like a remnant. In other words, there's still something left. That's the idea here. Pratikshate. Pratikshate can mean it's waiting or it's, uh, that's the verb pratiksh. Prabhupada translates that here, uh, being awaited. It's a very nice translation. It's curious to see how the dictionary deals with this. Pratiksh, the verb pratiksh means uh, to look forward to, to wait for, to expect. So uh, one is still waiting for, looking forward to uh, of a shesham, a remaining, a remaining duty. So the David Kritium has been done, but there's still something left to do. And that's what now uh, is being awaited. So Tavit, so that long, in other words, until that of a shesham, until that remaining duty is done, tavit, that long, yuyam, just the plural of the word you, all of you, avekshadvam, wait, remain. So uh, Nard is actually ordering them. He's not saying you should wait, He's, it's just the direct command. So aveksh means um, in Sanskrit to, uh, to look towards, to uh, to expect, to observe, like you should look, you should now wait for that. You should look forward to that. Don't go anywhere until this is done, that remaining duty. Tavad yuyam avikshadvam. Prabhupada says, observe and wait, which is a perfect translation. Tavad yuyam avikshadvam bhavet yavad iheshwara. So as long as, so Yavid and Tavid kind of go together, as long as something is the case, Tavid for that long. So as long as Iha, Ishwara, Iheshwara, as long as the Lord is in this world, Iheshwara, which is Iha, Ishwara, as long as the, as the Lord uh, bavate, as long as the Lord stays, is present, as long as the Lord is present in this world, Tavid, that long, all of you, hang on. In other words, just don't go anywhere. Which is interesting because uh, Narada is saying to them, to the Pandas of Ekshadam, means they have the power to leave. They're all great yogis. So he says, as long as the Lord is still in this world, for that long, all of you just wait, as Prabhupada says, observe and wait. So, uh, we'll stop there for today. Really interesting verses. Now we'll see if there are uh, Let's see here. Um,
It's funny, all these little abbreviations in this con like PAMHO and AGTSP. Kind of funny. Uh, so far, I don't see any questions. Let's see. Um, Jagatpalana. How can the all good Krishna have created such a cruel world where lions feed on baby deer and he identifies himself as the snake of time? Well, <laughs> it wasn't, it's not that conditioned souls are not inclined to take birth as lions and feed on baby deer, but Krishna kind of induces them to do what otherwise they would never personally want to do. It's just the opposite. Krishna has just, because after all, no soul is forced to be a lion. If there was not any soul that wanted to be a lion, there wouldn't be any lions. There are only lions because some people signed up for that. So Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Nadate Kasyachitpapam, I do not take responsibility for anyone's sinful activities. So, um, or taking birth as a baby deer. You know, the baby deer was yesterday's lion. So again, Krishna is not responsible. He's simply allowing souls to carry out their fantasies, some of which are demonic, and he's not, there are no innocent victims. The baby deer, if you say baby deer, it's like everyone wants to cry. But if you say a lion that liked to kill baby deers now has taken birth as a baby deer, then it doesn't, you know, it, it, it shows you a very different way of looking at it. Uh, as far as being the snake of time, uh, again, it's because people have chosen to be here. No one is forced to be here. So, Madhavi, Galicia, you explained last week that Krishna shows some quote-unquote normal human behavior when he ascends to the material world. But at the same time, he says, Yajyat Acharati says he shows the ideal behavior. Uh, my question is that if Krishna himself says in his Gita that one should be sober beyond honor, lamentation, so on, why does he show some lamentation himself? Does it mean that it's somehow acceptable to lament or what does he want to teach with such behavior? First of all, Krishna doesn't lament a lot in his pastimes. It's just like, he does it a little bit just to show that, okay, this is what human beings are like. And the next minute he stops lamenting. So um, as devotees, I, what Krishna is showing in my view is that in this world, we, I mean, Krishna is perfect, but we are not perfect. And so sometimes we may lament, but we should be like Krishna. We should follow his example and then transcend our lamentation and see, so to speak, the silver lining and understand what's really happening beyond the material covering. But yes, Krishna is not like a big lamenter.
Uh, let's see. This thing just jumped again. So I'll make sure I don't miss any questions. Let's see. Nargamoni. Oh, American Vaishnav College update. No, not today. What is this is from, uh, what is the, uh, Claudia, I, you know, I apologize if you have spiritual names and I'm reading your, but I'm reading the name that comes up here. Claudia Monteagudo. What is the meaning of Krishna coming for the non-existence of demons, but it happens to all, including devotees? Well, it means that the demons get removed right away. It's like, imagine a soccer game. I'm using an international example here, a soccer game. And uh, someone gets a red card, which means they're thrown out of the game. The game is going to end for everyone, but everyone doesn't get thrown out of the game in the middle of the game. So the demons get a red card and they're thrown out of the game. Everyone else gets to continue playing, but even for everyone else, yes, the game ends. That's the idea. Someone wants to know what Tatra means, literally, it means there, like here, there, and everywhere. Uh, so, uh, Deva Dharana, Devi should devotees fear Kala? If so, why? Uh, no, we shouldn't fear Kala. Uh, because we should understand that we are eternal to the extent that we still have not realized that we are eternal souls. To that extent, um, yeah, time, death is kind of scary. So uh, we should become serious in our spiritual practice so we don't have to go through this unnecessary trauma of imagining that we're dying. I mean, why go through that nightmare? And that's what it is. It's like a nightmare. It's a kind of dream. So to avoid that unnecessary trauma, we should simply understand that we're eternal. Uh, yes, the stronger eat the weaker. Someone asked, so Leela Carr. Uh, even after reading and understanding the essential instructions of Nardamoni and other devotees as well, why is it at times difficult to experience the happiness from within? Because Krishna consciousness is a gradual process. So, Radha Kanta, I will translate from Spanish. Uh, how can we maintain or sustain, sustainer, compassion? a healthy compassion or recognize uh, that we feel sorry for the pain of others, whether they are animals or humans, how can we do this in a, in a equilibradamente, uh, in a balanced way? In a balanced way, avoiding a fall into emotional, sort of getting emotionally stuck uh, yeah, their compassion is not mundane lamentation. 
compassion is a spiritual emotion that does not cause suffering to the person who feels compassion. So thank you all very much. Those are all the questions which appeared on my screen. So thank you all very much for attending our Sunday Bhagavatam class. I hope we'll all be back together next Sunday. Hare Krishna.